And so we're going to reflect over six things, six lessons and things that we've learned from this time that I believe that all of you can apply and we can learn from. But I, but I really feel like this is such a special opportunity. I just don't want us to miss that. Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franson. Welcome back to another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm Dr. Pete Camiolo. And I'm Dr. Stephen Franson. And it's an absolute honor to be with you all today. We were just chatting before this recording today about two things. Number one, just how our careers and throughout our careers, just the amazing uh, stories that we have from being in the trenches and how, how amazing it is to be a chiropractor and just the lessons that we learn and all of the wins that we've experienced and you know, how, how valuable it is uh, when you go and you look at your history. So many of you, when you look back over your history of your chiropractic career, some of you, your career is short, some of it's long. But when you look back over your history, think about all the things that you've learned, right? Think about all the lessons, think about all the wins, think about all of that. And, you know, that is really the foundation of what we want to talk about here today, which is our theme is what did we win and what did we learn from this COVID-19? And we want to have, we want to take some immediate inventory here. Now we're going to look back in five years and we're going to be like, remember back in 2020 during Q2? when the bomb hit of, of COVID and then all that was going, we will have that to talk about. And there's value to going back years, but the value of being able to have an immediate assessment of what we've just been through is absolutely critical. And so we want to spend some time today going through the lessons that we've learned, the wins that we've had, but also what are we going to be doing, taking from this time moving forward Doc, this is such an important behavior of a remarkable CEO. It was such a natural conversation that we we just flowed this morning talking about you know a historical view. You know, I said something I don't know about the dark room and you know and just developing X rays. I mean, thinking back to the day, you know, going back twenty years before you know we bought our first of several <laughs> digital X ray units for our our clinic in Boston, and you know, just exchanging those horror stories slash just great memories of just spending time in the darkroom and, uh, you know, just something simple like that, that, you know, we just look back and we learn and from where we've been, you know, and it's just so, I mean, it's so telling when you listen to, you know, the overlap of our histories and we're, you know, how it shaped our work ethic, right? It shaped our worldview, right? And it, and it shaped who we are now as leaders. And those days were just so critically important. I had such an awesome conversation last night with my kids. I've got, you know, teenage kids. And can you imagine like being teenagers? I know you got five kids. My kids are a bit ahead of yours, but I'm telling you right now, having conversations with teenage kids, this has been a crazy time, right? So we're just literally assessing what's happening right now, you know, with the COVID situation, the murder hornets, the Black Lives Matter. I mean, right now you've got some kids who are sitting around just, you know, their worldview is being shaped amid all this. And we had this really awesome conversation about, you know, teaching them how to become critical thinkers, you know, at the dinner table, Camilla and I, you know, we're really careful not to tell our children what to think or how to think, but to think, right? So we want to create thinkers and we, you know, our 
parenting style is prepare the child for the path, not the path for the child. And, you know, we had this conversation around the difference between intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom last night, because they were asking me my position on these things. And I'm just being really careful to make sure that they understand the frame in which how we arrive, you know, at our positions on these things. So just, it was just such an awesome conversation. And it, you know, it inspired the conversation we're going to have today, which is assessing, right? So as CEOs, we have this algorithm that we use for productivity where it's plan, prepare, execute, and assess. And, you know, this as an owner operator, historically, we know what happens is we plan, we prepare, we execute, we assess. And as we execute well, we get busier. And as we get busier and busier and busier as the owner operator, your head down, bum up, delivering the work execution so that starts to, you know, sort of edge out the planning and the pre- preparing and the assessing. Next thing you know, you're just inebriated with busyness because you're spending all your time executing, right? So as a CEO, CEOs don't have that luxury, right? So the, the part of the ascension of going from owner operator to CEO is the skill set of assessment, right? And what we recognize is that as a CEO, the plan, prepare, execute, assess is actually linked directly to the next iteration of plan, prepare, execute, assess. So the assessing informs that next iteration of planning and preparing. So, you know, it's really truly as a CEO, it's assess, plan, prepare, execute, assess in this infinite upward spiral. So, you know, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look over our shoulders while this is all fresh and new and take a look at what did we learn in this post-COVID world of craziness, this catastrophe. You know, this is so good. And I I love the framing that we've laid out. The productivity equation is really what we call it, the four steps of the productivity equation. Um, this, This applies in any business. This applies in your home, right? When I sit down and meet with my children and they prepare for, let's say, a soccer match, right? It's plan, prepare, execute, assess, right? So this applies in all across the board in any area of your life. So we're all CEOs of our own lives. Like we all have responsibility. And I love that you're framing about your children. It's like preparing them, you know, for the path, not preparing the path. It's, it's setting them up. And you shared this with me. And this has been something that my wife and I have truly embraced is we're raising adults, not children. The problem is boss baby, right? That's the problem. If we've got a bunch of babies as bosses, that's a problem. We need to raise adults. And I love that framework. And I appreciate you for saying that to me because that really changed just a little bit of framing for, okay, how do I approach, you know, my children? Well, this same framework should have, a lot of us look at our practices like babies. I don't know about you, but my wife, she always was like, don't put like your business, like in the same frame as like our children, our family. I'm like, No, 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 I'm not putting it in the same. I'm just, I'm calling it like that because it requires so much attention and it needs discipline. It needs nurturing. It needs leadership. It needs, it needs all of it. Like it needs it all. So I, I, it is like a, a, cause it's an or it needs to be kept alive. Like, and I don't want it to uh, to have failure to thrive syndrome and all these other conditions that can happen to children. So I know like there's a sensitivity around our businesses. And I love the framing doc of the dark room. When we started talking about our days in the dark room, you know, with our films. And you know, what's interesting, like that frame, that metaphor is perfect for the COVID situation, because it's kind of been like a dark room. It's been a dark time. And the question is, what did you do, Doc, when you were in the dark room? Because what Doc Franson and I were talking about is what we did during our time in the dark room. 
and the value of that time. And I remember with my associate doctors and interns that used to come in and when I, when I started to delegate that over to other people, I would teach them how to maximize the time in the dark room. Do not waste the minutes that you have in that room. Do not waste them. We used to, I used to have that little red light that you need to have in there because you needed lighting, but the red light. So I used to have on the wall affirmations and prayers and, and just stories on the wall. And I would say when you're in there and you have that like couple seconds or minute or whatever, I want you to read these things. I want you to study these things. I want you to you know, recite these things when you're in there because there's value. And every time I would step out of that room, I was actually vibrating at a higher frequency of state when I would go back with that patient. Because a lot of times for me, it would actually happen between during, let's say, a day one, and I would come out of that room and I would make recommendations right out of that for the next step. So I had to be vibrating at such a level of frequency and focus. I couldn't come out like, smelling chemicals and a little bit high and a little bit like disenfranchised because I just had to do this task that I don't like to do. No, I had to come out of there like ready to go. Well, guess what? That metaphor applies exactly to this. Don't come out of COVID a little bit high from the fumes, a little bit disenfranchised from the situation. Yeah, it's not maybe your favorite task. It may not have been their favorite season that we've all been through, but you know what? For me, it was those seasons and those challenging times that shaped me. It was those things that actually formed in me character and capacity to grow to the next level. And I truly believe that this is an inflection point for many businesses, not all, but many, and those who embrace what we can learn during these times. And so we're going to reflect over six things, six lessons and things that we've learned from this time that I believe that all of you can apply and we can learn from. But I, but I really feel like this is such a special opportunity. I just don't want us to miss that. I'm hoping that that the docs listening to this right now are not missing this because they might be like, darkroom, what are you guys talking about? Don't you guys have digital? It's like, yeah, we had digital. I mean, my second and third digital, my x-ray units were digital. My first one, <laughs> it was chemicals, man. It was it was plain film. And, uh, and we were laughing because it was like, we were moving so fast, seeing hundreds of patients a day like you were. And it was the one time of the day when you were forced to slow down. You were forced to go in a dark room. I mean, my red light broke probably five years in and we never replaced it. So we were literally like in pitch black and you had nothing to do in there. But think, you had six minutes. You had five minutes and 45 seconds is exactly how much you had. And it was God's way of just slowing it down, man. It was slowing down to speed up. You know, we, I'll tell you what, I felt like in practice, I was trying to get 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag at all times for 15 years. I could not have been moving faster. Dr. Pete, and I know you know exactly what I mean. It was full on intensity, always present time conscious, one human being at a time, committed to delivering clinical excellence, committed to shifting and changing belief systems. I mean, literally could not have been going faster or harder for 15 years. And the only reprieve I had was in that terrible dark room, <laughs> you know, until I, like you delegated it to my associate doctor. So I love this metaphor, the COVID crisis, this catastrophe that we're all, we're all coming out of the dark room and it was just God just slowing us down, right? This is like slow down to speed up. And I want to make sure that we use this episode to talk about, you know, let's not lose what we've learned, right? So, you know, it's win or learn. Where did we win? What did we learn? We're coming out of this COVID darkness in back into the light. And guys, we all know the truth here. It's time for expansion. Like the adults are taking back over here. We're going to say, okay, so let the authorities step aside. Let's get back to 
creating our businesses. Let's get back to creating our remarkable practices, our remarkable life. Let's take back control and influence. It's time for expansion. So as we step forward and we plan and we prepare to execute an expansion, let's make sure we start with assessing. Let's look over our shoulder. Let's talk about the six things that we've learned coming out of it. And I'd like to just kind of go back and forth with you, Pete. I jotted down some notes. I know you did. So I'm going to kick us off with, you know, the first thing that I saw, and it's just, you know, what I want people to understand that this is just not theory or just not a good idea. We have eyes into hundreds of chiropractic practices around the world, right? So this isn't the the Steve and Pete show where we're coming up with things, hey, I'm going to pontificate up here for a while. What I'm telling you is we've gotten to see real time over the next, the last 70 days, how have these practices been doing? Like, what? how are they behaving? What's their experience like? What are their outcomes like? And, you know, ultimately, the doctors that were following our Phoenix plan, that have been following a Phoenix plan, they have done spectacularly, which we're super proud of them for. We appreciate the trust. What a privilege to lead during this wartime situation. But I'll tell you what, there are really clear behaviors and this telling characteristics of these practices, and we want to share them with you guys. So if you're a note taker, this is the stuff you want to be writing down right now, because here's what I know. This won't be our last wartime scenario, right? There will be another crisis. There will be another catastrophe in the future, right? So let's learn from this. You know, what do we take away from it? So First and foremost, what we saw was the practices that knew what their product was going into this, they thrived through this, right? Because at the end of the day, there was no product confusion. The doctors that absolutely know this is the value that we deliver in our community. This is why I'm here seeing patients. This is why my patients should be here. And they had a really clear foundation that they stood firmly upon that this is the value of what we deliver in our practice. And not only did they know it, their teams knew it. And they had already conveyed that into their patient base. So there was no lack of clarity. There was no lack of certainty. There was no lack of conviction around exactly what was happening in that practice. And the reason that people would not come into the practice actually became the exact reason why people should be in the practice, right? So at the end of the day, the patients who understood the purpose of the practice, the purpose of chiropractic, the purpose of getting adjusted regularly to make sure that you were the strong host, not the weak host, it became the reason that you actually came into the chiropractic office and not the reason you wouldn't come for your adjustment. It's so good. And that leads perfectly into the second lesson, which is patient education. What we have seen historically, Doc, in these practices, and again, this is such a sensitive subject for us to cover because it's such an honor to be able to have access and visibility into so many businesses and practices. And so that's a privilege for for me. It's a privilege to be able to come alongside of hundreds of docs and their offices and have visibility, intimate, like detail intimacy and, and visibility into, into hundreds of them. And, and it's, it's just, a, it's a great privilege, but what we have seen across the board is the, the importance of patient education. And the phrase that I come up, that I'm came up with, and this is something I use in my practice, which is it's continuous, continuing education. That's the difference. It's the practices that succeeded at the highest level. They have continuing education. It's not just patient education, it's continuing education. It's not just education at the beginning, it's continuing education. In other words, there's this, it's, a, it's ongoing. There was never an end. If you've been in the practice for 10 years, I'm continuing to educate you. If you've been here for 10 minutes, 10 days, I'm continuing to educate you. 
and that the practices that have been able to truly weather this storm, everyone was affected. That's the thing. Every single clinic, regardless of how great their continuing or patient education was, was affected. Not one came out unscathed, not one. However, those who were able to stabilize the, the quickest and then reactivate at the quickest pace and get back to, quote unquote, some level of normalcy, it was deploying the Phoenix plan. But what we saw when we looked back and we assessed, how come this is happening for you at this pace and how come it's happening like this? It goes back to that patient education. It was, what did you win them with and what did you win them to? It's what did you say at the beginning of their, your relationship? And was that the same things you were saying even months and years into the relationship? And those who had a thread of continuity, of consistency, of messaging across the board, those people were the ones that we saw that really win. So if I, if I look at this situation now and it's today, okay, Doc, well, how do I apply this today? Here's my moment for you. If you haven't, start now. Start now. Let's step our game of patient education up. And we don't have time to dig in all this today. This is just a podcast. So I'm not, this is not a, a, a coaching call type of thing. But the reality is, is that that's what will change the legacy of your business moving forward is the ability to not only patient educate at the beginning, let's say, of a, of a patient's journey. But it's the continuous education, that continuing education and the consistency of your teaching and your message, the empowerment. To empower means to transfer authority. And the doctors whose offices had the patient dependent upon them suffered the most. Those who empowered, which was you transferred the authority, the ownership of my health to the person who comes in. You are now responsible for your health. I'm giving you the keys to the vehicle. Those people we have seen historically have, have responded very, very quickly coming back from this. So moving forward, that's a major lesson learned. Okay, let's take a quick break and talk about Cairo Matchmakers. Cairo Matchmakers will help you find the right person for the job. If you're looking to hire the ideal chiropractic assistant, Cairo Matchmakers will help you find the specific person missing from your team so that you can get back to using your talents to serve more people. Or if you're looking to hire the ideal associate doctor, CMM can help. Cairo Matchmakers helps chiropractors like you find the ideal associate doctor to unlock your practice potential and get you the freedom that you desire. To learn more, go to chiromatchmakers.com. And now let's jump right back into our conversation. Yeah, the key to great patient education is consistency, right? So number one, it's consistent with what you believe to be true, right? So you're, you know, you should be talking about what you know about. In other words, what do you truly believe? It has to be genuine and authentic. That's what you should be educating your patients around. Otherwise, they're, you know, patients have a really good bullshit meter. So make sure that you yourself, you are teaching what you believe, right? But then it's the consistency as the new level of intensity you have to stay consistent all the way through. Like, you know, Dr. Pete, I love what you said there, whether it was 10 minutes, 10 weeks, 10 months, or 10 years, you're always converting that person. And what are you converting them to? You're converting them to the next step for them, right? So it's always a mindfulness of where are they in that patient arc? Are they walking in the door as a seeker and you convert them from a seeker and they begin care and they become a believer? Though we call them believers because they don't understand anything. They just believe you. They believe you're going to help them get what they want. 
you then, that's when the, the heavy lift begins, the front end investment of take that believer and turn them into an understander, right? And then as you take that understander, the, you know, going from a believer to an understander, an understander, these people, they understand chiropractic. So once you understand chiropractic, you want chiropractic, right? So these people are like gathering up helium balloons, right? So, and then the next level after an understander is turn them into an ambassador, right? Somebody who tells everyone they know, right? So there's that whole patient arc. And there's a consistency to the education that takes them through that arc. Now, you know, this is part of the relationship. So this is my point here is, is the third common characteristic or trait that we see with these practices that have been really successful is the relationship that they established with their patients, right? So what is your positioning with your patients? What is the relationship you have with them? Are you their doctor? Are you their adjuster? Are you the person that delivers their adjustments, right? Are you their boss? Are you the authority? Uh, you know, are you just the person that they listen to based on your authority? Or how about with your team? Are you their boss or are you their manager? Like look into the relationships that you have in the business right now. So, you know, ultimately what I know is, is that with every team member, you're going to have the opportunity to choose one of three relationships with them. Are you going to be their boss or are you going to be their friend or are you going to be their leader, right? So at the end of the day, you, of course, you want to be their leader, right? So none of us want to be a boss and none of us want to be a manager and you don't need another friend. That's a terrible place to lead from. Same thing with the patients. You got to make up your mind with them. What is your role? Are you going to be the adjuster? Are you going to be the person that just delivers adjustments? Or are you, are you going to become their chiropractor? Or are you going to become all the way to a, their health coach, right? And Dr. Pete, we talk about that ascension in that relationship, right? If, and if you're the person, if you're the doctor who you happen to be the person that delivers the adjustment, the, which of course is an incredibly honorable role. If, you're the, if, if you are the adjuster, you're the person that delivers the adjuster. That's one level. But if you become that person that not only delivers their adjustments, but you actually shift their paradigm through patient education, you change the way people think, you change them from outside into inside out, you go from being the adjuster to the chiropractor, right? So, and then there's one more level you can go when you, when you are the chiropractor who actually holds people accountable to them doing the things that they need to do and stop doing the things they need to do to stop doing to get the results that they want and you become their health coach. That's next level. So what is the relationship that you have with your team? What is the relationship that you have with your patients? Certainly determines how your, you know, how your practice weathered the storm of COVID, right? So what I know to be true is the understanders, if you're collecting ideal patients and creating understanders in your practice, they were a lot easier to stabilize and definitely a lot easier to reactivate if they went missing in action during this COVID catastrophe. I mean, I love this subject matter and it's, it's actually a, a, an integral part of our systems. And if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you're really enjoying what you're hearing, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. I mean, this is the type of framework that we teach in the Remarkable Practice. This is why our, our practices actually do so well. So if this is something that, that is something that would be you know, supportive, help you and support you, reach out. Let us know how we can support you and help you in this because this is an area I think where a lot of doctors you know, drop the ball. I mean, I get on calls with a lot of doctors who are not in their remarkable practice. And I know, Doc, you do the same. And so we talk, and this is, this is an area where the, there's just a lot of gaps and opportunities. And, and so this is huge area is, is in the relationship side and really the leadership side and leading a, a remarkable practice, a remarkable team. And so, yeah, Doc. 
Yeah, Pete, you, you just triggered my memory. I just talked to a doc last week who reached out to me to just, he was struggling. He had heard our podcast and he had said, you know, I'm really struggling through this COVID crisis because I've had, I've been exposed. And I'm like, okay, talk to me. He's like, I'm friends with my patients. <laughs> He's like, he goes, that's the truth of it. He goes, I love my people. I've been loving on them. I've delivered excellent chiropractic. This is a principled chiropractor now. He's just like, you know, he's like, I was, you know, pretty successful when this thing hit. But what I realized straight away was as, you know, when it was, when everything was hunky dory and I was just friends with my patients, things were great. But as soon as the, you know, the crap hit the fan, I was like trying to lead them then. I went from being their friend to being their leader. And, you know, next thing you know, I was, everybody was like, no, no, you know what? Uh, you know, I'll be back soon. Don't worry. I'll see you soon. And, you know, don't worry, doc. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be back in there. And he goes, I've just realized right away that being friends with people is, is this is a terrible place to try to lead from. And it was such a blessing for him. This has been such a blessing for him because he didn't even need me to tell him what he needed to do was, was it's time for him to become the next level leader of, you know, what's the next iteration of you as a leader. And it was super clear to him that it was time for him to make an ascension because being friends with and being attached to whether your patients like you or not is a terrible place to lead from. And, you know, ultimately, if you really want to reach your potential, as far as the influence that you'll have and the impact you'll make in your career with your patients is you've got to let go of the attachment of people liking you and make your objective that they trust you. Because if your patients trust you, then they'll follow your recommendations. And when people follow your recommendations, then they get the better health outcomes that they're looking for, and then they'll love you. So good, man. It reminds me of one of the things that we say about marketing. We say that marketing chiropractic is an act of kindness. And it reminds me of how that would extrapolate and apply to this. Leading your, team, leading your patients is an act of kindness, right? So being the leader is the most kind thing you could do. A lot of times we want to build up that equity, that capital, the relationship equity and capital with people because human beings are wired for connection. And that is that. So that's that is absolutely ingrained inside of you to do that. However, once you're in this position, we have to move into a place of we are leaders and you are a leader, Doc, as you're listening to this. And so what are the gaps and the opportunities moving forward as we learn lessons from COVID? 19 and we now move into this next phase how can we apply this and i think that that immediately speaks to point number four as far as the common traits or characteristics of practices that have been successful during this time is reporting rhythms systems and meeting rhythms reporting systems and meeting rhythms now this is if you've been a regular listener to our remarkable ceo podcast this is uh something you're like i think i've heard this before yes you have and hopefully you have heard it several times before because we like to repeat ourselves especially with things that are really important. So we've talked about how, you know, the owner operator is differentiated from a CEO and there isn't a season for owner operator to be developed. You have to go through that. Like we've talked about, there's four seasons in the chiropractic career. There's launch, build, scale, and exit. And you don't escape either one, anyone, you don't bypass, there's no fast track. There is a way to go through it. What we say, there's a, a more remarkable way to journey through each season. And that's what we help people do. But the owner operator, it's, it's, we like to say head down, bum up. And really when it comes to that, it's about brute force and, and about controlling the situation. We control it through just brute force. So for many of you, if you're in the, in let's say that season, the grenade gets thrown into your barrack and you jump on it, right? That's what you do. You're like, I'm taking one for the team. I got this. And so 
and, and, and I think there was probably a little bit of an element of some of that for all of us. I mean, Doc, you and I could talk about how we had to take some bullets and grenades during this time. So there is an element of that regardless. But the owner operator, that's like, that's how we do business. That's just how we do it all the time. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID, I'm jumping all over grenades and I'm just taking it for the team all the time. That's the kind of, in a sense, the, the way that we journey through it. The way that we escape that and we move into how a CEO does things is a CEO controls through leverage. That's how they do it. And the way they do it is actually through this two things, reporting rhythms and meeting rhythms. So the reporting rhythm during COVID actually gave you visibility into what was actually happening. One of the things that we advised during this time was to get organized of all the people that have went MIA. And let's put him on a, a, a sheet and let's start categorizing these people. They're all human beings with a story who we have a relationship with. Let's start organizing and, and, and starting getting very clear on what, where these people are at. And that will then inform how we're going to move forward with that relationship. So that was just an example of a framework. And we gave you a tool. It was part of the, well, I think one of the podcasts, it was definitely part of our, part of our Phoenix plan package, which was, here's a tool to help you organize the people, the individuals, the relationships. So now you and your team who actually was taking responsibility for this project have visibility into what's going on. And this information that flows to you as a CEO gives you real time. Here's where we're at right now. Here's where we're at. And now I can make very specific decisions, informed decisions, so what one part gut, two part data, I make data driven decisions. Yes, my gut is in it, but I'm definitely moving with data, not just gut based on some visibility as an example. And then you've got the meeting rhythm. So we have data that we collected, for example, like who's on the MIA sheet. Now we have a time, dedicated time to actually meet about that, to discuss that and to decide. We IDS it, right? We identify What's the situation? We discuss, all right, guys, here's what's going on. Here's what we're going to do. And then, all right, let's make a decision. Okay, everybody ready? Three, two, one, let's go. And then we go and we, we circle back. So that process is how the CEO uses leverage to lead their team moving forward. So that was a lesson that we saw with our, with our docs who are doing that. Just the amazing smoothness of this time. Even if some of their team, let's say, was laid off or it was working remotely, they were able to continue moving forward with those rhythms. And we, we saw that that was a huge win and lesson that was learned. So moving forward out of the situation, docs, it's about those reporting systems and meeting rhythms being in place. This is a um, pathology that I can certainly empathize with. As an entrepreneur, we all, we're all control freaks. And granted, there's a continuum. I'm far right spectrum on this one. But, you know, at the end of what we really need, what we really want, the real appetite that we have in when we say control is we're really looking for visibility and accountability. That's what we really mean when we say control. And as the owner operator, we don't, we don't know any better other than to invest our own brute force, our own horsepower, our own time, energy, focus, and sometimes our own money to, to jump on that grenade, like you said, Pete, right? So, you know, we know that that feels good because it gives us that control right away, but we also know that that's not sustainable, right? So it comes at too high of a cost and it's definitely not scalable because you're not scalable. It's not durable by definition and therefore it's not going to be transferable, right? So our commitment here in the Remarkable CEO program is to make that identity shift, which comes with a behavioral shift. 
And the behavioral shift is I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer willing to in, invest a pound of my flesh to have control. I've made the decision. I don't behave like that anymore, right? I behave like a CEO, which means I use leverage. And by leveraging things like reporting systems to give you the visibility and the meeting rhythms to create the accountability that you desire, we call it control, but that's really what we're looking for. So, and I love that. And, you know, it's one thing to have that in peacetime, right? To create that culture and sort of train that into yourself and into your team, but it's a totally different thing to have it in wartime, right? So I love what the Navy SEALs say, Dr. Pete, is that when, you know, when the pressure is on in wartime, in battle, is in combat, you don't revert to what you know, you revert to what you trained on, right? So it's so important that you've got your culture established, you've trained this into your system, right? That we have these mechanisms in place when not only when it's blue skies, but really after that Pearl Harbor moment, when it's not blue skies anymore, and all of a sudden the stress is on, those mechanisms are in place. Those mechanisms are there for you to lean against, right? So when you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater during wartime, and although the content and the conversations and the materials might change during wartime, the structure is there for you, right? And it gives you that visibility and that accountability. Awesome, man. I love the subject matter, right? So, and this, of course, this is how we, you know, utilize our team because as CEOs, we recognize that the key to us being a CEO and for all of this to happen is that we have to surround ourselves with A players, right? So this is a big investment that we make is by saying, I'm going to surround myself with A players because as the CEO, I know that I have to systematize everything. I have to delegate really well. I have to invest in training and developing my people. And then I've got to trust, but verify, right? By trust, but verify is like, I've trained you, here's the systems. And now I trust you, go do the work, but verify through your reporting systems, right? So man, this is something that I saw at Pete was the practices that recognize that before and during COVID, they had invested in their team. And by investing, I mean investing all four limited resources, your time, your energy, your focus, and your money. It is without, about, without a doubt this is the best ROI you could possibly find in your business, right? So everybody thinks marketing is like the best ROI. No way. Marketing is a distant second. The best investment you can make in your time. Where do you spend your time? Who do you spend your time with? What do you spend your time doing as CEO? Develop your people. Surround yourself with great people. Develop your team, right? So your time, energy, focus, and your money. Invest in your team. When times are good, lean in. Invest more in your team. Okay, up the ante. When, th- when things are tough, when things are bad, when you go from peacetime to wartime, lean in. This is when you invest in your business. So people talk about invest in your business, you know, not in the casino stock market, right? What does that mean? It's, it's like, hey, listen, so this is a time when you can invest in your business, right? So nobody has, or there's no investment that you have that's going to give you a better return than your own business. When do you invest in the stock market? When stocks are down, not when they're up. When do you buy? When they're down. When do you invest in real estate? When it's down, right? So when your business is going through a struggle like this, it's not time to start laying off people, right? It's not time to like, oh, let's cut all our expenses and start with our team. No way, man. You want to protect your business and preserve your team. And those businesses, those practices that did, man, they're flourishing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's such an important thing we talk about when we talk about the six sides of the Rubik's Cube of the business that we are always looking through all six sides. People is, an, is paramount. And as we transition to being the CEO, it's very, very clear. And with this COVID situation, we've, we've had even 
as you talked about that doc called, he's like, man, I've been exposed. So have our teams. A lot of our teams have been exposed, you know, and we're not going to get into a players and stuff like that today. But I think also this exposed, like who's on my team. I saw that a lot with clients that I work with and, you know, there has to be some time to reevaluate. So even moving forward from the situation, assessing who is on my team and, you know, are these the right people to take me to what's important next, right? Is this the right people to bring us into the next? And that's a different conversation. Again, if you have any questions about that, we're happy to happy to chat it down with you. Uh, but it's, it's absolutely critical that we get this part right, get the people part right. And that leads into the, the last, which is that, you know, there are certain things we talk about skills, we talk about talent, we talk about heart, right? So skills, talent, and heart. And there's certain things that you can influence and change. And there's certain things I just pass on. And, you know, one of those things is talent. You know, we say people are born you know, with talent, God-given talent. And we've all seen it. I mean, I've seen it in my own kids. I have five kids. I'm like, wow, you have a talent in this area. Wow, you have a talent in this area. A lot of times it's slightly different. And so we're all that way. And you know what? That's amazing. It's a genius you've been given. You've been given a gift and it's something you're born with. Some has high levels of talent, some medium, some low, some talent. You have one area, some it's like I have five areas. So you still need to decide where you're going to invest your talent. Here's the thing. Skills is different. You know, we look at athletes, and we always make sports examples. We always reference sports, but even the most talented, I don't know how many of you watched during this COVID situation. I think some people watched a little bit more TV, but they released the last dance series, which I absolutely love about Michael Jordan. Now that guy was given a God-given talent. There's no question. He was born with a talent, but I'll tell you, what did we learn from watching that series? How hard he worked. He was committed to outworking because he knew he needed to develop his skills and keep performing at the highest level. He had to keep working on developing his skills. You know what that is? That's training. And that's what we talk about. The sixth thing we've taken away from this whole crisis is the importance and the significance and the magnitude of training, training with your team. You know, heart, you either have the heart for what we do or you don't. No hard feelings. If you don't have the heart, it's not even worth talking. Just go find where your heart is and go that way, right? We have people on our team that have the heart for what we do. You need to have a heart for what you do. Heart for the people, heart for the mission, right? You need to have the talent to be able to do those things. Those things, you know, you either have them or you don't got them. And yeah, they can be nurtured. They absolutely need to be cultivated. But the one thing that you need to work on, all of us in all ways, is training. And that's training on our skills and the skills of what we do. And so what we learned during this crisis, like you just said, Doc, was we don't revert back to what we know. We revert back to what we trained on. The businesses of the doctors who have a culture of training, they needed to tweak and pivot the training focus. But because the culture was established, it wasn't, it was almost seamless. Hey guys, we're going to pivot from training on this. Now we got to train on stabilization, reactivation, and we had to train on how to create cleanliness in this office now and how we're going to do that on a daily basis, that type of thing. So there was a, but, but because the culture was established, it wasn't a major lift. It was just a, a, a shift in focus. Now coming out of this, guess what we do? We just move right back into, okay, we're training again. We're continuing the training. We're going to pick up maybe quote unquote where we left off, but we now have a new way to focus on training because we've learned some things during these past 70 days, so to speak. So that the, the, the big takeaway was the culture of training and how important that is to continuing to win. You know, Jordan was committed to winning. That was it. He had one objective. I want to hold the trophy up at the end of the year. That's it. So what's your, what does it look like for you in 2020, guys? Here's the thing. We got a, almost half the year left. I don't know. I mean, so the reality is, is it's not over. And we've talked about in the Phoenix plan and Doc, you've laid out in 
as we look at the rest of this year, as it's going to unfold, we have a great opportunity right now. I think for many of you, you can actually exceed what you originally set out to, to do in 2020 as far as your goals and objectives. I really see that for you. There's a great potential and opportunity for you. And I think a lot of it actually is going to, it's going to anchor back to the, you're embracing these six things we went through, but especially the training culture. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Dr. Pete, is, you know, we had high hopes and expectations, you know, once we got our Phoenix plan organized that if doctors would simply follow this, if they will comply, if they'll lean in, because good ideas are great, but execution's everything, right? So if they'll actually execute against this, they're going to go and grow. And this could actually be just a squat turning into a jump. And they could actually finish stronger in 2020 than they had originally hoped. And I think we both agree that chiropractic right now is positioned just perfectly to step into the gap that's been left uh, in the marketplace, right? So there's a crowded and confused marketplace right now that's you know, scrambling around and competing agendas and conflicting experts. And, you know, we've gone from this shock and awe that creates fear in the community to now just this frustration that comes from the confusion and the contradiction that's coming from the so-called authorities and experts, right? So what a perfect opportunity for chiropractors to step out into that light, to grab the mic, step into the spotlight as the cultural authority in what we call third tier healthcare, right? So everybody's talking about, you know, the first tier of healthcare, which is the treatment of disease, which is about keeping people from dying. Let's wait for people to get sick and we'll treat them and try to keep them from dying. Then there's the second tier of healthcare, which of course is the prevention of disease, which is what everybody's talking about now. Wash your hands, social distancing, no hugs and high fives, stay at home and hope and pray we're going to find the, the cure, right? everyone's having those conversations, right? And frankly, you know, I think that's creating more and more confusion. And I would suggest a, a false sense of security in our communities, of course, all driven by the fear of there's going to be another virus coming to town, or there's going to be a resurgence of this virus, what have you, right? So there's a big gap that's left here because no one's having the third tier healthcare conversation, which is about the promotion of health. It's about changing the conversation from the strength of the virus to the strength of the host. And this is our blue ocean as chiropractors. We are the cultural authorities of what it means to be healthy and how to get healthy and how to stay healthy. And no one is having this conversation. So docs, I'm speaking to you right now. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Every room that you step into and you stay focused, you stay in your lane and you talk about the promotion of health, you are the authority. No one in that room knows about that like you know it. You are the authority on this. So the beauty of this is they, you don't have to make them wrong to make you right. This is a total blue ocean. This is your lane. Stay in it. So docs, this is the time. It's time for expansion. We're now moving into mobilization, third stage of the Phoenix plan. The door has creeped over. There's light shining through the crack of the door. It's time to kick that door open and take this message to your community. It's time for you to step into your calling. Your community is desperately looking for what it is you do and what you know. The light is going to shine on you. They're going to hand you the mic, docs. The question is, is what are you going to say? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.